the information you're giving me that there's no other software out there, well, how much do you cost for uh, customer acquisition? Because now you have to share with people that this is a need in the market. That education is going to cost you a lot. That means your $100 million, a good amount of that is due to advertising, which is reducing your margin greatly. That's why you scumbag, you need more money because your margins are not great. So you're hemorrhaging to a point. So why don't you keep your little company and why don't I just buy a white label, some of the stuff you're doing, and then put it in some of my other companies to market it and make way more money than my little 1% of your so forth billion dollars company and then I would not have to talk to you and or your scumbag friends. <laughs> no? Mm-hmm. Damon John, oh shit, we got Damon John on the show. Oh my god, guys, what up, you sexy bastards? It's your boy Baby Shark. AKA Robert Kettlers, aka No Again. We have Damon John on the show. The CEO and the founder of the six billion dollar global rent FUBU, and y'all know him from ABC Shark Tank. Now let me tell you, this episode blew my mind. It was phenomenal. This guy, I was like, oh, you know, it's cool. He is amazing. I love him. And I want to tell you before we get into the show, two things you should go check out from him. First off, go check out Founding FUBU. It's free, actually, as long as you're an Audible member. I got it. Mitchell, who's also on our team, loved it. It's about how he went from Queens as a kid, turned 40 bucks into a $6 billion empire. He also has a consulting agency, The Shark Group, which is where he's investing. And he's written a bunch of books, The Power of Broke, Rise and Grind. Go give him some love. Do it ahead of the show because I promise you this episode is going to rock your world like it rocked mine. Uh, here are at least three gigantic things you're going to learn from this episode. By the way, I don't know if you know, he worked at Red Lobster. Number one, how does he approach goal setting? It was different and it's actually changed how I started to approach it. Number two, why he writes his obituary every year. And number three, I pitched Absumo to David, Shark Tank style. He, he bit my ass. Arf! Enjoy those three things plus a bunch more your nuggets along the way. Before we dive into the show, two things you got to do. Number one, go sign up for the AppSumo.com newsletter. That's AppSumo.com slash sell. As well, if you want to sell a book, course, or software, we have a marketplace, AppSumo.com slash sell. We will promote you for free to over a million people, for reals. So if you have no business or you have a business and you want to grow that business, go promote it on AppSumo.com slash sell. As well, YouTube.com slash OkDork. It's my YouTube show. I make pretty videos to help you on your business journey because I love you. Yes, you. Yeah, you. No, you. Also, special pre-show shout out to listener Reader7. That is a crazy name. I might name my kid Book 5. They left a review saying, generous and insightful. I appreciate Noah's generosity and detail. Great interviews and sound strategies. I look forward to each episode. That honestly sounds like GPT-3 or some AI wrote it, but I love you, man. If you're a, real, if you're a robot out there, shout out to my robots. And thank every other one of you gorgeous listeners. If you want to shout out in a future episode, tweet at me or leave a review wherever you listen to the show. I check every single one of them. Man, what a journey. I'm so excited to talk with you. What a journey of your life. Do you ever look at your life and like look in the mirror and you're just like, dude, this is awesome. Like when you look in the mirror, man, are you, how, how are you feeling about your life? Because I'm excited about it. So it was great to have you here. Well, I don't look in the mirror often because I, I usually get intimidated because I know that I look like Brad Pitt, the new Superman or Tyson Beckford. So um, I try not to look in the mirror. But I think that every day that and every morning that I pray and every night that I pray, I pray for what God has gifted me with. And I think that that hopefully humbles me as well as it gives me an appreciation for the more things that I need to do because I've been picked for some reason. I have no idea why. Nice, man. Yeah, I was curious. Um, I guess the first thing that you kind of triggered me in a, in a positive way. One, again, thank you for coming on. Excited to talk about founding food with a podcast. We'll definitely promote the hell out of it. My pleasure. I'm curious some of the, like when you think of the life-defining moments, and it sounds like you, you've had some. You've had a lot, probably. <laughs> you've had many lifetimes. I'm curious what comes to mind for you. 
Well, what comes to mind, first of all, is, is, as I said, why was I gifted that opportunity or that time? And then what will I do with that gift or what will I do with that opportunity to enhance other people? You've got to keep paying it forward, I think, or you're going to run out of your blessings. What did I learn from it? And then let's talk about some other things. I'm like, why haven't other people learned from these things? It's so simple that <laughs> I did this. This was the result. This didn't work out quite well. Why would I do it again? Or what did I do wrong? How can I correct it? And why don't other people just understand the simplicity of that? Why do they overthink it? Can I share something about myself with you, man? Please. I have never liked myself more than I do today. Yeah. Ever. Really? I was hanging out with this guy yesterday. He's like really good looking, like supermodel. And uh, I've always been like... Uh, we weren't together yesterday. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> when we were at the sauna, that's what I was like, God damn, he's so good looking. And he's so good looking. And I don't like bringing him around when I'm dating women. And I try to look for something negative in him because he's so perfect. He's just, he's, and he's, he's a doctor and he's just a good, great dude. Yeah. And it really hit me in the morning yesterday. We did a workout and we hung out and I was like, it's because I never really liked myself. And it was just a really beautiful moment. Where I was like, I'm fucking liking Noah today. And I, I can be happy for him. Like you're gorgeous and you're a great dude. And I hope you find love and whatever you want in your life. And so it also, you know, I feel a lot of that coming from you and how, how your journey has been on this planet. Yeah, a hundred percent. I, I, I appreciate it. And yeah, you're right. I look at plenty of people going, man, it looks like the whole package and maybe it is. That's not me. And there's nothing I can do about that. The only thing I can do about that is maybe improve my health to look the best that I can look. But if I was looking the best that I can look and I got people that only wanted me for that or only wanted me for money, or I know it's an empty feeling. So I just don't look at other people's things. I mean, listen, it could be quite intimidating sitting next to one of the days I was filming. I was sitting in between or sitting next to Richard Branson and Mark Cuban. I'm sitting on the same panel as a voice of authority next to Richard Branson and Mark Cuban. Robert made a slick comment like, um, yeah, you know, I, somebody was pitching something for an airplane. And he was like, yeah, I can fix that because I can, I can put that on my plane. And Richard Branson was like, yeah, I can put it on all 400 of my planes. I'm up there like, I got a medallion. I'm a medallion on Delta. So, you know, at any point, there's somebody else in the world with a larger wallet or a larger winky, whatever it is. And you've got to be happy with yours because, listen, if Warren Buffett woke up with Mark Cuban's money, he would jump out the window. And if Bezos woke up with Buffett's money these days, he would jump out the window. There's no there's no shortage of people who can intimidate you if you sit there by the standard of living up to others. I guess one thing I'm curious on the same tip, and it, I think it changes over life, which is crazy. And I've been reflecting a lot. I'm curious where it is for you. It's like, what are your values that you're living by? And I know this is not, we're going to go down. We'll definitely be promoting the show, Founding FUBU. And, you know, love the, like, I'm excited to dive into it and tell everyone to check it out. I guess I'm just curious, like, how are you, how are you approaching this life? Like, do you have certain things like God is first, I guess, for, and I can share mine, but I'm really curious yours. Well, a lot of it is in Founding FUBU and how I approach things in life. I approach things in life in a couple of ways. I have to keep learning every single day and learning about everything, my faith, you know, my family, nutrition, where the world is going, you know, and the, and the challenges out there, people suffering as well as people celebrating. I set very clear goals that I will accomplish within the year, which I never accomplished because I set them so big. But if I get even 50% closer, once I reset it, it grows. I write my obituary every single year. I write my obituary, but the obituary is written by two different people, somebody that I've let down in my life and somebody that I've fulfilled in my life. And so whether it's a daughter uh, my daughter who says, Daddy, you know, here's where I found faults in you. and Or is my daughter the same daughter saying, here's where you fulfill me. And I, 
I look at how I can hack myself for the future moving forward. Now, those goals that, that I write, some of them in the middle of the year, I scratch them out because I go, I don't feel enough passion in, in this goal or I'm doing it for the wrong reason. And, you know, those are things. And another thing I, I live by is that the race is never over. The race, the end of one race is the beginning of the next. I, I share with people how people think that they get to a certain place in life and they are super fulfilled, whether they're well, you want to say no. Yes, yes. But the story goes, honestly, about six months ago, I have two stalkers, really bad stalkers, people who are hitting up my, myself, my wife, finding our information online, sending letters, hitting up my wife's family. And my wife said to me, no, first of all, by the way, I usually have five stalkers, so I'm not doing that well. I only have two a year now, so I got to step my game up. But my wife said to me, Damon, what do you do? How do they get our number? I was like, babe, the internet exists. She was like, Call some other people you know and see if that happens to them. Now, I'm not trying to name drop, but I'm going to name drop. Sorry. I called Catherine Zeta-Jones, Pitbull, and Mark Cuban. I go, this happened to you? They were like, all the time. And so I said to my wife, I said, babe, do you really think that somebody magically comes out and goes, you've officially become a celebrity, and here's what you get. Tell them what you get, Tom. You get to hide your name all the time. You are skinny. You are rich. Nobody will ever hate you. No, it don't happen like that. And And for those who never can relate to what I'm saying. I get it. But if you get a degree in school, I know plenty of people who, got, who, who went to Harvard who was scooping ice cream at Baskin Robbins. It doesn't guarantee you a career. By the way, you get married, I promise you, it doesn't guarantee happily ever after. If I was skinny like you guys, I don't know what you're doing. You're eating vegetables or not eating at all or running a fucking, I don't know how you're running. Yeah, okay, no problem. You stop doing that, you're going to be husky buying Shit that I buy in the husky department. You you can't you just don't have whatever it is forever. It's not guaranteed unless you work at it. And that's what I learned in life, you know? I don't like that message. I really hope you stop sharing that with people. Cause I want to get to the end and be like, I can relax now. <laughs> <laughs> you can relax though. You can, but you'll get to a point where you'll transition from Damon John had to work every single day. I worked since I was 10 years old. I never looked back and I had to work to earn what I was doing. But now I get to invest in other people's dreams and do the fun parts of working, like talking to Bombas and understanding how I can help more of the homeless or change lives. But you still are working. It's just, a, it's just more fun. You know what I mean? It should be fun. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes of all time is, uh, do you watch UFC ever? Of course. Do you remember when Nate Diaz knocked out Conor McGregor? Yeah. Do you remember what he said? No. He said, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> and I love that quote. And it made me wonder about you. It's just like where you're at, the fact that you've been grinding for, I know you're what, 30? So you've been grinding like 20 years? Yeah, no. yeah, yeah exactly. Right? 50, I'm 52. And you've been grinding it out and figuring out what's fun, hearing the trends. But is it a surprise, you know, like you've put in the work to get to the spot. And I think that's where I, sometimes I'm like, you said it right when we started talking. You're like, yo. Everyone, I'm telling you what to do. I'm showing you exactly what to do. I put it out there. Just copy it and you'll get the results. You're like, oh, I'm going to keep watching more videos then. Yeah, it is a surprise because it's not guaranteed because of a lot of the efforts like, you know, you know, from being in the great position you're in that but you keep failing, but you keep figuring it out. Right. But it's no guarantee. I mean, because there are a lot of different moving parts. Right. There is where society is, where you are, how much effort you put in, what kind of partners you have, were you passionate about? Did you do it the right way? But it's just you just got to take keep taking a lot of swings and keep moving forward. And OK, listen, I failed a lot of time. But even when I failed, I enjoyed what I was doing. And I just said, all right, well, I tried it. You know what I mean? And then it brought me back to maybe the fundamentals of what got me here. And I said, Damien, all right, you try to spread your wings too far or you are 
getting cocky. You thought it was easier than it was, but no, you got to put the same elements of work that you put in before. I was driving from the gym this morning and life is so great and my work is so great. My friends are great. It's never been like this ever. And it's so amazing. The critic comes up in our heads. He's like, well, it's not going to last. Noah, you're going to definitely fuck that up. And it also made me realize, though, I'm very blessed to have someone like Mitchell in my life. Very blessed to kind of be. He's always like, no, let's work on the positives. Don't need to work on the negatives today. And I'm noticing like, all right, well, maybe I do need support. So I guess I was also thinking for you, like most successful people have also the most failures. That's one of my beliefs. I just think if you succeed a lot, that also means there's a lot of things I haven't seen. I guess, how have you found the mental, the mindset or the support? Like, who do you go? I think I was curious, like, who do you go to when you're like, things are tough or you need advice or if things are going well and you want to keep them going well? Yeah, well, I, I think that little voice in your head is a necessity to a to point, right? You need that healthy paranoia because then it makes you work harder. But I think the Mitchell in your world is extremely important, too, because they just say, don't be hard on yourself. And you be like, I won't, but you're still a little bit harder on yourself. The day that you start getting comfortable being, they're always going to love me and I'm doing the greatest is the day that you become egotistical and you don't you don't realize that maybe you are not providing as much value to yourself or those. It's healthy, right? You know, it's, it's good. There is that fine line, though, being obsessive and not. I am a huge sponge and I believe that you're only going to learn through two ways in life, your mentors or your mistakes. And mentors come in all shapes, forms, whether it's books, technology, or whether it's family members, teachers. I go to my mother for advice. I go to a lot of people for advice. I go to strangers for advice. But the important part of going to people for advice is only to gather all the information and sift out what works best for you at the time of your life. My daughters give me advice. A lot of people do it, but I don't do it. In, I, in some in some forms, I do it with mentors that I have that I poke on and say, hey, I need advice on this. A lot of those things are very, though, static when I'm asking advice for financial distribution. Blah, blah, blah. But when I'm talking about life, I get inspiration from just so many individuals. I will walk away, like many people from this podcast, and think about you, how you viewed that doctor that looked great, and that will reinforce something else in my life. The next minute that I feel some level of differentiating circumstance between myself and somebody else, I'm just a huge sponge. So I always say you got to put yourself in two to five words. Because if you don't understand yourself, it's two to five words, your Apple think different, Nike just do it, Google for us, bias, then you leave it up to other people to interpret who you are. And my two to five words are always, I'm on a quest. So I'm constantly looking to learn. You know, that's how I think that I keep staying on the edge and, try, and keep learning. I want to know about the quest. I want to come back just a few steps around this topic is what's some of the, the advice you've gotten from your kids and from your, your mom? Do you remember any stories when you went to them and uh, what you asked about? I don't have, we don't have enough time for the advice from my mother. It was so many. And, we, and definitely in the, in the Audible Project, there's a lot of advice that my mother has gifted me with, but also through examples. You know, the one thing I, I always talk about how she always says that as we were driving down the street and we were looking at things and we lived right by John F. Kennedy Airport. And I think I was watching, I'm not sure if it was the Concord or some huge plane land. And I said, I can't believe that men and women can build these things. And she said, well, why can't you? I said, I can't build those. And she said, every single thing in the world, everything started with one person that had one idea that took one action. And she said, why can't you? And I just didn't have an answer for that. But, you know, my daughters, I look at them and I get inspired from not for clear advice that I've asked. And now I can ask them because, you know, one is 27, one is 22. But I remember earlier, probably about maybe 10 years ago, I was I went into my daughter's room. She was about 17. I noticed she wasn't watching TV downstairs. She was on her computer talking to a boy shopping, doing a homework, researching stuff on YouTube. 
and on Snapchat and lying to me at the same, all simultaneously. And I realized she understood how to multitask. But I understood where the value was in YouTube with the issues resourcing her information like I did in this encyclopedia. I understood how she was communicating on this new platform called Snapchat. I understood that she was no longer going to ever look at a television because television is becoming radio and phone is becoming television and that how the platforms of streaming has now changed. And it was all through watching her in her daily execution of things, knowing and seeing where things are going. When my my older self at the time, if I wasn't on Shark Tank and I wasn't seeing all these new founders, I would be, let's go advertise on television. Let's get a local commercial or let's send out flyers or whatever the, whatever I would have been doing, right? So I think that there's always ways to learn from so many different people around you. That uh, And instead of going, yo, what are you doing? Go, no, what are you doing? You know, and um, I, I just find that's a way to absorb information. Dude, I love it, man. I want to come back on, on one thing. I need to get some daughters. So step one, Mitchell, we need to find a wife but, and uh, or I could adopt and then get daughter advice. Uh, it is interesting, man. Yeah, I definitely think we we discount other people at times. So I like that open mind because it's like, I think people think as, you know, I, I'm the, I am the CEO of, of our company and they're like, oh, you must know everything. I'm like, yo, you guys know as much, if not more than me in, in most of these areas. And I, I have to remind them of that. Like, don't look at me to, to think that. You you said two things that I thought were really were really. You said one, everything's been awesome. Let's just let me be clear. You said you had goals this year, but you set your goals that you can't accomplish, which that sounds different. Uh, I'd be curious if you mind sharing some of them or if whatever you feel comfortable with. It's not that I can't accomplish them; is that I set them so high. So if I say I'm going to make this amount, I make this amount. So I'll give you my. It's well put out there, but I read ten goals every night before I go to bed and every morning when I wake up. And six of the goals expire in six months. The other four expire in two years, five years, 10 years, and 20 years. The important part about reading the goal is to absorb yourself in the goal itself. This has been done in many ways called meditation, various other things. I didn't start this. I got it from Napoleon Hill's Thinking Grow Rich. The ones that uh, end in six months, I reset them after six months. The ones that end in two years, five years, 10 years, and 20 years, I do not reset them, but I look at them and I visualize myself. Your subconscious mind cannot tell the difference between what is real and not. So if I say that I was going to buy a house, so well, is the door not brass or is it gold or is it glass? Is the door small, big, round, oval, square? Is there a foray? Is there a staircase coming out? Is there bread baking? Is my significant coming out to greet me or am I coming to greet them? You have to envision yourself there. So, But when you read the six-month ones, you have to read them in an increment. Let me tell you a goal that I never hit, ever. And definitely this year, I never hit it. I'm going to lose 20 pounds by July 4th, argument's sake. Now, here's what I'm going to do that, right? I am not going to eat any fried foods or meats. I'm not going to eat after 6 p.m. I'm going to put 10,000 steps on this. I'm going to have eight bottles of water, substitute one meal with a green drink. Incrementally, I will lose two pounds per week, weight training at night. And I will, in the event I lose the 20 pounds, I will be lighter more healthier to be able to walk my three little girls down the aisle. I'll live longer to walk my three little girls down the aisle. Now, the important part of the goal, how am I going to do it? Step by step, right? These processes in weekly bunches. You know, it's like runners. They only want to run a marathon. They just bunch. I'm going to run to this fire hydrant, then this bridge, then this. I bunch it. What is my reward? One or two pounds a week down. But what is the end goal? The end goal is not to see me just standing there, skinny. The end goal is to see me walking down with one of the most valuable things in my life, 
walking down the aisle with one of my daughters or all three of my daughters at separate times because I took care of myself to be there for the best thing in my life. And, and that's the important part of our goals. A lot of people say, I want to be rich. Okay, what are you going to do? I want to be famous. Okay, for what? Uh, listen, you know, Al Bundy's famous. So, you know, th those are the processes of what I put myself through. And I read them every night before I go to bed because I want it to be the last thing I think about before I fall asleep. That's why I don't watch any scary movies or Ozark before I go to bed. And I read it in the morning because I want it to be the first thing I think about when I wake up. Can you share some of them or if you're comfortable? I just shared one. Oh, okay. I, just, I was curious what other things are. Well, the other ones are the other ones are spending time with my family because I, I used to travel 250 days. So how am I going to steal moments away with my family? Uh, then there is professional ones about the current businesses I own. Then there is the other professional ones about where I want to go in new areas of business. And some of them are why we're here today. Um, I want to go new areas of business of being a public speaker, being an author, sharing with people all the ups and downs of what I've been through in my life, being somebody who can be an angel investor and not have to think of every new great thing in the world, but just invest in smarter, younger people with more energy than me. Those goals were set 20 years ago. 15 years ago when I started reading them, they started to manifest three years after, four years after, five years after they kept growing. Yeah. I never thought I would get married. I thought I'd die at 30 for some weird ass reason. And I never thought I'd actually be able to meet a woman that maybe it was because I didn't like myself enough, but like who would I actually meet? And I, I spent years trying to like visualize that, man. And I feel like now it's starting to get more clear. It's finally, and some of these things, it's hard to know what the vision looks like if you've never experienced it or if you've never been a part of it. I just find that kind of tough sometimes with I think one of the things I what I've been doing well, which is just being nicer about it. Like, hey, you don't know the vision? You at least have an idea of the vision. And that's okay too, versus kind of like beating ourselves up about it. Yeah, listen, don't beat yourself up. Listen, I never thought, oh, I didn't know if I was gonna get married at first, and I'm on my second marriage, and then after I had got divorced, I really didn't think that I was gonna get married again or have another child. Thought I was gonna be single, not because I wanted to run around. I've never been a person who wanted to just be like with a different person every every day or every night. And now I am I got a Smoking hot wife, and I am happy as hell. A dad again at five years, you know, my daughter's five. I mean, I'm going to be on an urn. You know, she's going to be walking me down the aisle in an urn, you know, by the time she's married. I, I still, I'm still going down the aisle, you know, but um, it is great. Um, and I think that a lot of times when you have this perception where it's going, but if you're open minded to opportunities to do that, then I think that that is, that is great. I had this quote I wrote down last week. I said, the universe is conspiring in my favor. It is. I was like, it is? It is. Yeah, it, it is for everyone. It's not just me. It's you. It's Mitchell. It's all the listeners. I mean, selfishly, I got to ask you though, Damon, does your wife have any cool friends? I'm asking for her. Yeah. So I've had a lot of great girlfriends in my life, meaning friends, girlfriends in my life. And my wife stole them all from me. My wife has some of the hottest women you'll ever see on the planet around her. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know, man. Where do you live? I live in Austin, Texas, but I can move. They can move. They can travel. I got Southwest companion status. Uh, that means they can fly for free night, with me. Night. Well, yeah, she's got some smoking hot ones, man. Smoking hot ones. Huh, where are y'all at? We're in New York. We're, we, we travel all over. You follow her at, uh, anyway, you can see her on my thing. and you, Her name is Heather underscore Taris, but she got some smoking hot friends. But anyway. <laughs> You're like, 
So yeah, he got me on. He's like, he just asked me to tell his wife to, to hook him up with her friends. <laughs> well, then you never know. Some of our friends will look you up and go, wait a minute, the guy's pretty smart. Hey, he's all about educating people. Hey, he asks fantastic questions. I can actually have a great conversation with him. That's a, I, you know, I got it from a friend last week. One of the friends I hung out with, he, he, that's how he met his partner. He's like, I just started asking the people I, I most enjoy their conversation, enjoy their presence, who they think I should meet. And that's how he ended up with uh, his significant other. So I was like, <laughs> Damon John be a pretty good person to ask. All right. One other thing you said I just want to touch on, and then we do have do have some clips because I definitely want to make sure we incorporate a lot of the the founding FUBU and we'll, we'll put it out there in email and all this stuff. Sure, sure, sure. You mentioned your obituary and someone else mentioned it two weeks ago. So it's kind of like it's a theme that I'm starting to hear more about. Oh. I'm curious, like how that inspires you or, or what you put Did anything you put down surprise you? Yeah. Most of us really know what we need to do to improve our lives, but we're afraid or we don't want to do it or we make excuses. And none of us are perfect, whether it is no matter how addicted you are to this person, this person is toxic. Or if unfortunately you have a substance abuse, you have it. I can't say it's easy to change your life. It's pretty simple about, you know, it's pretty simple about your body nutrition, right? You either take in less calories or you burn more. It's pretty simple. And I don't want to oversimplify things. But when you write your obituary and that thing that you knew you had to do all those years and you haven't been doing, it makes it say, well, am I going to do it this year or am I dead? Because I've clearly wrote the obituary showing that if I keep going along this path or not doing these things, I will pass and I will be known as this. I'll be known as the know-it-all. I'll be known as the person who was scorned. I'll be known as the person who did whatever I needed to do to get by and didn't give a, didn't care about others. I'll be known as the person who had it all but it was up to me to lose it all because I didn't want to educate myself or open my heart or whatever the case is. And I think that if you write your obituary, you're the only one who's going to see it. It's a challenging thing to do. I feel that as you were talking, I like felt chills. Yeah. I, I kind of stumbled over it because, you know, I, I think of it too, you know, and I go, but let's think about the, the, the great part of the obituary. Cause then you, cause write, write the bad one first, then you write the great one. Then you write that I busted my ass for the people I loved. I overcame this. I was told I couldn't do this because every one of us is told something we can't do. And I did this. And look at my legacy and my family and look at what I've done. I never, I never accepted that. I don't care what anybody else talked about. I never accepted that. I lived by my own rules. You know, whatever it is, my mother, I made my mother, my dad, whoever it is, my brother, I made them proud. So forth knew I always had their back and I would always be here for them. There's some great things to write out of it. Yeah. It's also, you got me kind of scared in a way. I was like, man, what am I afraid of that I'm not facing? In a good way, not negative. And uh, I wrote my will a, few, a month ago. I want to move into the founding, uh, founding food group. But I will say I wrote my will maybe about six months ago. And that was a similar feeling. I was like, well, why don't I do more of these things while I'm alive? Instead of wait till I'm dead for that stuff to happen. Yeah. I almost just want the day to end right here. <laughs> you just Kobe, you know, like shots in, three-pointers good, championship one. Moving into the audio project, Founding FUBU, I know our my audience, I don't own them, but our audience, that, that's a part of this journey with us. They are all about starting a business and, and ultimately they just want to love their life. And so I am curious, you're working full-time at Red Lobster, which straight up, I like Red Lobster. I'm a fan. No <laughs> shame. How did you start FUBU while you had a full-time job and then you scaled it to 350 million bucks? That's just something, I know it's part of the story of founding FUBU. 
So I think people would love to hear about that. And, and maybe the parts that excite you to share. Listen, I don't think that anything we've just talked about was uh, not used in the right context to talk about this founding FUBU Audible project, right? So by the way, the project is purely on Audible. It's, it's, it's produced in such a great way. And there is no other way to get it. You cannot get it on paper. You cannot get it in book form, whatever the case is. It does take you through my life as a child and all that mentality of what I'm talking about now. Did I have all of those? Was I writing my obituary at 16? Absolutely not. Was I learning things uh, along the way? Yes. Was I failing the skills and the things my mother gave me, the way my mother tricked me into learning? A lot of those things are there. My failures. And yeah, how did I start with $40? Who would scale it while working at Red Lobster? I got in there how, you know, Mike Tyson poked me in the chest right before he was going to try to knock me out. And I, I got away from him finally. And, you know, this is when Mike was in his wild days. And, you know, we ended up being on a plane together. He fell asleep right next to me, and I spent the whole night trying to spit in his drink while he was falling asleep. But I never, I never got to spit in his drink. That was the only way I was going to get him back. I got stories in there from. Is this, this, <laughs> yeah, is it serious. This is a serious thing. Think about him sitting next to you. You're like this the whole time in first class, but you see him. He's jittery and he's shaking while he's sleeping, and you know, you know, if he catches you, there's no way to go. You are sitting. You're, you got a window seat next to him. That's not very nice, Damon. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, but also talking about you know, listen, how I, I I tried to escape desperately the clutches of drug dealers and extortionists in my neighborhood because crack had just started to hit the streets of New York, and I go into this business where three hundred fifty million dollars we were making annually. We were, we were doing in business annually when. It was more vicious. It was more. It was more vicious. People coming after me, but now they had suits and ties on and a pen, you know, because three hundred fifty million dollars annually is a lot of money. So it was worse than living. At least the guy in the street comes up to you with the gun and says, "Give me your money, or I'm going to go do this." I mean, the guy, the man or woman behind there. If you're somebody and you have a job making eighty thousand dollars a year writing orders for big department stores, but you can give me ten million dollars in orders, what do you think I got to give you? If you can give me ten million dollars in orders, think about those things, right? Or the, if the manufacturing in Japan is ran by the yakuza, and I'm in Japan, and I'm in a, in a hotel locker room where I just got out of the pool, and they all take off their shirts, and they all got tattoos all through their body, and they're like, "I want to have a meeting with you, Demasan, tonight, because I need to manufacture your clothes." You know what do you do? Well, I tell you what I do immediately. Sure, give me your card. I love to do business with you. Now, how am I going to get out of it after I get out of the locker room? There's a lot of stuff that people have no idea that goes on in running businesses as for young black men creating creating a global brand. But then there's a the good side. You know, our partners and distributors who are Korean, who are Jewish, who are Indian, who and then you had us, who was a melting pot of culture. We were hacking ourselves and they were saying, here's what you should do better. Here's what you should do better. And you bring different people together with different mindsets and ages and sexual preferences and all that stuff. And they create innovation. And we're we're all in one movement trying to just dress everybody, have fun. And there's a lot of crazy stuff from crazy fashion shows to anything else. So it's just, you know, I know you asked me about how to do it from $40 to Red Lobster, but it's a lot of stories in there for all the people here who are going through so many similar issues going, wait a minute, it's just not us. You know, everybody goes through this. Interesting. Well, I'm not sure if everybody goes through getting knocked, almost getting knocked out by Mike Tyson, but whole another story there. I guess what I'm curious is that there's a lot of people out there all over the world, India, New York, South America, that are working that job. They're working at their Red Lobster. And so what, 
what is it for them that they need to be doing that helped you kind of start moving on that direction of like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to take control of my life. I'm gonna take the power back. Really excellent question. I looked at Red Lobster as it was, first of all, I had to pay the bills and I knew that I had to sacrifice something. So I just had no life other than working Red Lobster and then investing in my company. But Red Lobster was fueling, keeping the lights on in my home. I was taking home all the food. I was uh, doing whatever to be able to stay longer on my dream, which was food. Uh, and all these people that go out there and say, burn all the bridges and balls to the wall, crap. Don't listen to them. Do it at your pace so you're able to last longer through it and see if you have the determination and the drive and you're able to afford to grow this business. But my second part of our life, so I was, you know, so listen. When I was 16, 17, or 17, 18, when I had the opportunity to go to college, I didn't go to college because I was on the first world rap tours ever. I was a roadie on the tours with Public Enemy, LL Cool J, Eric B. Rakim, Big Daddy Kane. So I was a cool kid in school. I used to go to school and I used to, after a weekend, I was on tour with Run DMC and I was pushing carts around and hanging out with groupies and doing all those things. So I was like, man, y'all going to school? Y'all corny. What you say about y'all are ducks, <laughs> right? But all of a sudden, you know, 21, 22, these kids are coming back from college. And, you know, those nerds and geeks. Well, today, those nerds and geeks are called Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg. You know, the music geeks, those those music geeks were t- are called not in my school, but they're Timbaland and Dr. Dre. And these kids are coming back with whether they're doing that world or their accountants. They have jobs. And now I'm sitting there. I got to humble myself. And get this nerd that used to be in school. I got to get this person more tartar sauce for their shrimp because I'm the waiter in Red Lobster and I thought I was cool four years prior and now I'm the idiot. And what I learned is that I had to humble myself, you know, and I had to start educating myself and I had to put time in because I lost a lot of time being cool. May I make a suggestion? Yeah. Could we do a launch party for founding FUBU at Red Lobster? That would be good. Dude, I'll fly in for it straight up. I'll tell the audience. (laughs) Yeah, let's do a Red Lobster launch party. Just throw it out there. I like that. that, That's on and popping. It's popping at the popcorn shrimp. No doubt. Uh, This episode is sponsored by Audible and Red Lobster. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, huh? One thing, you know, yeah, because I I do get curious, like, why is it some, you know, I was telling uh, someone this morning, I was like, I got unbelievably lucky to be born in america to be born to these parents and be born in california like i was born two miles from apple headquarters like i met steve jobs like i worked for mark zuckerberg i worked for bill gates like gotta meet all them that's lucky there's definitely some skill and i put in the work on it but it's it's some luck on this stuff so i do wonder for people it's like yes you can have a lot of luck but you also need to then they put in the work on this stuff same with me i mean because listen think about where i grew up i grew up in hollis queens LL Cool J, Run DMC, Salt and Pepper, Tribe Called Quest, Onyx used to cut my hair, Ja Rule, 50 Cents, uh, Lost Boys, what's the name from the Fat Boys who just passed? I mean, there's all the people around me, and it was and Russell Simmons, obviously, and all these people around me in a, a square four miles, and I would see these people every single day, but I couldn't rap. Now, actually, I could dance, and when I told my mother that uh, a group named Houdini asked me to go on tour with them when I was 14 years old, she said, you're not going on tour. Now get your ass back to school because you're not that smart. Some kid in Atlanta took my job on that tour dancing. His name happens to be Jermaine Dupree. Every time I see Jermaine, I get pissed off at him. Think about the kids I was on tour, though, because when I go on the weekends on tour just to drive up to and come back, it was me and me and my three other friends. It was me, Hype Williams, Irv Gotti, and then our buddy Al, who Hype made the movie Belly about. 
who just came out of jail about six months ago. So I was around so many people. That's lucky. Right. And I couldn't rap. I couldn't direct like hype. I couldn't have a label. Well, maybe I could have a label like Herb. I definitely wasn't selling drugs like Al. I came out with clothing. <laughs> and by the way, they all stopped talking to me when I came out with clothing. All stopped talking. To me. For real? Yeah, because because, listen, I got Supreme Team over here selling all these drugs. I don't want to be a drug dealer. I got Herb and hype and they want to do this. And they're like, yo, D, let's go out tonight, man. We're going to we going to Travalga Square. We're going to Union Square, the tunnel. Let's go. Let's go to the city. I'm like. No, nah, I got a, I got, I got, I got a strawberry pattern at home, and I'm about to go home and make me some really sexy strawberry hats. They were like, and you know, by that time, you know, hip hop is a very homophobic culture. I'm not. I didn't care. I'm, I'm, I'm good. But they were like, do you make a strawberry hats? You all right? Yeah, I'm all right. And if you don't respect the vama, right, then screw you. Uh, so it wasn't, it wasn't fly to make, go home and say I'm sewing a pattern in '89. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I pricked myself with my needle kid. Yeah. It's, been a, it's been a tough day <laughs> exactly, over here. Exactly, but I'm good, you know? One thing that, that I'm struggling with in our company at AppSumo.com, uh, and I'm curious to how, how you went through it, is that like a lot of the stuff you figured out on your own, right? Like you're like, all right, how do we get patterns? How do I get that? So I am curious because I think what the common wisdom is like, well, hire experienced people who've done it before. And I meet some of these experienced people, and I'm like, one, they don't have heart. And two, they're not better than the people we already have. I just think we think that is. So I guess I'm curious for you is you, you know, you don't scale to 350 million without a lot of people helping you and being a part of it. I guess, what did you have to put in place from people around you from structurally, I guess, to be able to do that? Well, you're right in a sense, there is scalability. And I always say that you want to hire the person who can replace what you do. But if you're on camera, you obviously can't because, you know, what, but obviously there's so much you do behind camera because you want to hire somebody that you look at, if they do a sucky job at what you do, you go, you suck. If they do a rock star job, you go, thank God you're here. Now I can move over in other areas. But I was, for, you know, listen, I, I opened Fubu in 89. I talk about how I closed it three times from 89 to 92 and I go through those things. Um, my three other partners in Fubu came in in 92. But then I was almost bankrupt. I was almost homeless after turning my house into a factory. And I, my mother took out an ad in the New York Times and said, million dollars in orders need financing. I only had $300,000 in orders, which is a lot. 33 people call that ad. I, I thought it was the stupidest thing ever. 33 people call that ad, but 30 of them were nasty people, loan sharks. I mean, really nasty people. People like like Kevin O'Leary. They were just really nasty, <laughs> low scumbags. Um, but uh, <laughs> three of them were real. And one was, is, one was uh, these two brothers, Norman and Bruce Weisfeld, that had a distribution deal with Samsung textile division, and we ended up doing a deal with them, and we became partners, and they were our distributors, and they mentored me, and they were a family that they were doing oh, okay in business, but it shows that as as we knew we had value, they added value to us. That's how I was able to scale with with really great people around us who believed in our mission. The same way you said go hire those people, eh, they didn't get a check. But we partnered up with people, um, and that's how we were able to scale. We brought to them a value of things that they had no idea of, and they brought to us a value of things that we didn't, and created innovation and created so much more. The I did see that one of your most viral tweets ever was uh, how you got LL Cool J to wear FUBU during a Gap commercial. Yeah. That's like 7,000 retweets, something like that. Pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. L's another version of, of having somebody who believes in the mission. There's a lot of artists out there who are paid by Coke and they drink Pepsi or they're there just for the moment, you know, same as sometimes people go to work and that's up to them, right? You know, listen, they not be, they may not be working your dream. That's your dream. 
and their dream is to just come to work and make some money to feed their family or whatever the case is. But when LL got hired by the Gap to do a Gap commercial, he also felt like they were they were not authentic in why they wanted him to rap. They just wanted to get to a market they were trying to hit at the time because that was the hot buzzword, the hip hop market. And he asked them, can I wear this hat? I got a funny shaped head. Can I wear this hat and ad? They said, yeah, whatever. And they said, why don't you just do the rhyme? And because they didn't know what he was saying, he does a rhyme and he goes, Forrest Bias on the low. Now, I'm in the office. I see this thing airing. My jaw drops. And for a month, this thing is airing. A month. And we're like, remember, social media is not out at the time. And this is why we always say, they're like, oh, well, you don't, you, why should you do diversity? Diversity is good for various different reasons. Diversity lets you, you know, outside, there was nobody in the Gap who, I don't care if you're white, black, or yellow, nobody in Gap really cared to listen to hip hop at that time in the Gap corporate. And nobody was black. So nobody was able to tell them, hey, hey, idiots, guess what's happening right now? There's, you just spent $30 million on a FUBU commercial, you idiots. We were out of there. Out of there. I'm talking eating things. I never heard of in places I didn't know I existed. I'm talking, you know what I'm saying? Lobster. You were actually eating the real red lobster at that time. I was eating lobster, mad chicks, everything. <laughs> what? Oh, fake friends. Couldn't get enough of them. I'm talking serious stuff here, baby. Sitting in the front of the car, in front of the plane, in the back of the car. Matter of fact, my own plane. Matter of fact, bring my planes on my car. I'll bring my car on my planes. No, I didn't get to that. That's like a Russian. No. Anyway, we're doing really well at that time. Really, really well. Do you have any more stories about that? That sounds like you got some some interesting moments. Definitely. Well, one, everyone, if you want the good stories... He's going to give us the average ones on this show, but the good ones are going to be in the founding FUBU on Audible. That's where you really got to check out the meaty stuff. But maybe another, any other kind of interesting moments of that journey? I, I was curious, your your first customer too, by the way. Like who who believed in you first? The kids in Seattle, Washington, the skateboarders, the white skateboarders in Seattle, Washington, and the, and the breakdancing kids in Japan. I took out a small little kind of like ad, and I think some called Write On Magazine. And it was kind of... Uh, you know, the kids who were like wearing like if you ever look at Terminator, I think two, John Connor wearing like the public enemy shirt. It was those kids who were buying it at first. And then the kids in Japan who were wearing blackface or tanning lotion with New York Knicks jerseys and baseball caps and breakdancing, not because of any disrespect. They wanted to emulate the hip hop kids from New York City. Those are the first who were wearing it. And then, of course, street corners, you know, I would stand on the street corners and everybody that I came up to, I told them the story. They would, they would start wearing it. Forrest Bias. I got, I got to, I want to go a little bit deeper, man. How did that feel? I want to know when you were like, yo, I'm on a commercial. We got like, now I can finally have fake friends to join my real friend. I mean, like, what was that? Was that like just amazing? Were you just like king of the world? How were how you feeling during that? Yeah, it was amazing. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I hated my money at the time because I was just trying to spend it as much as possible. I was like, how much is this? Thank you. Here. How much is it? Can I, can I buy that? I'll take two. Here. I hated my money. (laughs) You know? What? No, I'm just saying it in that way. That's how I was treating it. I was going, you know, there was, you know, listen, I I remember when I went to Vegas for the magic show, I had $27 in my pocket and there was four of us. We took, um, my mother worked at American Airlines, so we took buddy passes. So I had $27 for all of us to eat over four days. Now I'm sitting there, Lowry's going, I want two of those steaks. I just want to taste a little bit. Throw that away. I was just, I was stupid, stupid, but it felt great. It felt great. 
top of the world. But until, you know, I still had that healthy paranoia and I went back to being logical and saying a hot fashion brand lasts five to seven years. We're not talking about Nike and Louis Vuitton. Our time will be up. We're on our 12th minute or 15 minutes of fame. What do we do? What are my assets? What are my what are the things that I really can do? Can am I really a great designer? Well, let me I don't want to break it to you, but throwing a big old five on a bunch of jerseys is not being a great designer. But I'm a great marketer. I have a distribution pipeline. I have funding and financing. I know all the people coming up. Pitbull, Lennox Lewis, the Kardashians, um, whatever, 50 Cents, uh, Ja Rule. I know all these people. And I can, and Hype Williams shoots all the videos for them. So let me put brands in there. And I'm the number one advertiser in BET and in Vibe. Let me utilize that to get stories and made and, and build more products and brands. So that's what happened. And through that, my first three or four acquisitions, while Fubu was still going well, they failed. I failed at bringing Kappa, the soccer company over here. I failed at bringing Ted Baker over here. I failed at married to the mob. I failed at Heatherette, but then I found Kuji, which I bought out of bankruptcy that Biggie Smalls used to wear, and I did it all over again. But I say all that to say that when I was on top, I always said, what's next? How do I invest time in what's next? How do I hurry up and fail while I'm on top? So by the time I find what works, you know, I'm going to be in the middle and then go back up. You moved out eventually, right? Like you, how did you know when the time, I think that's a question everyone asks one time, right? Like with relationships, with work, you know, how did you, I guess, know when time was time for you? Time and time from Red Lobster you're talking about? Red Lobster, yeah, to move into that and get into this whole FUBU experience. And also when FUBU, you're like, all right, it's time to move on to my next things. I try to put 10 or 20% into the new area that I want to go. Not necessarily the relationship. Well, it could be a relationship too. If I was in a, a, a relationship that was dying, I wouldn't put 10 or 20% into somebody else. I would put 10 and 20% into being more self-sufficient and finding out what was the toxic part of the relationship. But I try to put about 20% of new time into uh, research and things moving forward. It's usually research first. And, you know, because it, it's part of the goal setting, right? I put it in the goal. It's one of the six goals, right? Yeah, and so that's, that's, that's 15%, right? And I start going down this area. And as I start going down this area, I start to see where I, I'm excited about it and I, I grow it. Or I start to go, eh, I only just put a little bit of time in there. But it's the discipline, a little bit of time to educate myself and see how I feel about it. And it slowly starts moving down. I mean, the only reason I'm on Shark Tank is I didn't even know how I was investing in it. But when I was shooting all those videos, I'd go down to the set and I could be there three days on the set and probably 50% or 60% of my time was wasted because I didn't know the shot they were using on the camera or when they said the camera's going to move. Is it a half an hour? Is it two hours? So I put in time. I took a six-minute course uh, at New York Film Academy on understanding how the lights work and how, you know, what lenses are working. Because when I'm on set now, I can say to Hype, Hype, you're, you're using the wrong lens on that shirt. I see the shirt's right there, but the lens is such so far back. I'm not going to pay you for this when this airs, or I'm not going to pay the record label for this airs. So I made sure that now the shot was more proficient. When he said, hey, the cameras are down, we're going to move the camera. And they always tell you in Hollywood, any place, you know, hold, hurry up and wait. I knew I can leave and go get lunch or make calls or whatever the case is. I'll be back in two hours. I'll be back in 10 minutes. I wouldn't miss the shot. Well, that small investment in there to make sure that my product was officially being seen. Well, then when they call me some show called Shark Tank, when I go out to Shark Tank, I know the positioning of the cameras and I know where to move and I know where to talk and I know how the shots are being done. So then I'm picked up for Shark Tank as one of the first sharks because I understood 
those movements due to an investment I made previously in my life. You know, so you just never know how these things come around. But I'm always trying to learn and trying to put more anchors in the ground. I love it, man. We got about six minutes, so I want to end with with two two things. One, um, if you don't mind, I'd love to pitch you our company and see if a shark would want to invest in it or not. Sure. I don't think I. So I'll do that. We'll save that for the end. You, you said you were fifty two, and for everyone who's not watching the clips, I was just listening to podcast. He looks great. Oh, thank you, man. Twenty two. Uh, you got kids that are older than you. I don't know how that's scientifically possible. <laughs> I am thirty nine. I think I look feel thirty two, thirty three ish. Yeah. I was curious, wisdom for my 40s from you, or wisdom for yourself in your 50s. Like, as we've gotten older, I'm like, yo, this old stuff, being older is cool. I used to be so afraid of it. Yeah. So I guess I'm curious the the wisdom that you've learned in these years and, and as you're thinking about moving forward, too. Well, it looks like, and hopefully you, you are doing one of those things, which is taking care of your health. I wasn't able to take care of it as much while I was skyrocketing. I, you know, at 18 to 20, I actually was trying to go into a lot of fitness competitions because I, I had the time a little bit. But then when the business started to go, I just didn't have time. Plus, then my diet changed. But that's the most important part. I mean, I unfortunately have lost a lot of people over the course of my time. So what we never talk about on Shark Tank is health. That is the most important thing because no matter what business you got, if you don't have your health, then you're done. Right. So that's the most important part. Financial intelligence is extremely important. It constantly changes. If you don't know about interest, you're going to pay it. If you know about it, you're going to earn it. And long holes are very important. <laughs> Being disciplined financially is important because today we have too much access. So you can go in your Robinhood or your TD Ameritrade or your Coinbase and you can trade every day. You buy something and you be like, you know, in a, if in a month you made 1800 or 18000 you'd be like, I'm Gordon Gecko. I'm going to crush the market. And you trade because you're like, I'm a baller. No, take that thing and you put it away. If you invested in Shopify at 24 or Apple or Facebook or thing, put it away and be disciplined the same way that Buffett was, you know, or is cutting people out of your life and making room for others that deserve you. A lot of time, whether it's friends or family or people that, you know, you have in your life, if they're not a good friend to themselves, they're never going to be a good friend to you. And you can't spend time wasting with them. You got to, there's more people out there that deserve your love and your honesty and your, your, your dedication, make room for them, cut the other ones out. You know, and always, you know, going back to what we say, hacking yourself, asking yourself your why. The three most important things to success are knowing your why, setting goals, and then finding out where to get this information or mentors. But if you are not honest about your why, you're doing it for other people, for society, uh, out of fear, well, then you're never going to set the right goals. And if you don't set the right goals, then how are you going to get the right information to execute on those goals to then fulfill your why? It's all a lot of simple stuff. We just overthink it. Does life get better in the 50s? Does it keep getting better for you? I think so. I think, you, I think you, you know, if you're living it the right way, you get to sleep better. You get to be comfortable with yourself. You know, you're, like you said, you know, you, and you, 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 you're, you're learning it at a great age. And then I think by then you just, yeah, you know, like, uh, listen, I got some friends of mine and they want to argue. So I'm like, yo, man, I've been doing this shit ever since I was 10 years old, arguing with you. Get out. I'm not doing it no more. No, bye. Bye, man. Bye. Sorry. Go. See you later. No, no, no. You just got to get comfortable with yourself. You know, a lot of us, we just, and it's, it's right, right? You, you, you don't want to be people in relationships, whether personally or professionally, where you're like, well, just accept who I am. But there's some points where you're like, this is, I'm sorry, this, this is a non-negotiable. This is just something I don't even feel like working on. I know that I'm an asshole in this area. I'm sorry. 
and agree to disagree. I mean, but you got to be comfortable with yourself. It's funny how obvious it sounds, or not obvious maybe, but easy it sounds. Like, accept yourself, love yourself, be yourself. And it's just like, we spend a lot of time avoiding that. I know I do. Or like, I'm going to be the should self, not the Noah self. Right. That's the difference, right? Because I didn't say yourself was great, but that's who you are. Like, Listen, one of my favorite rappers was Old Dirty Bastard. He was an old dirty bastard till the day he died. Uh, so he was re- actually dirty too. He was like legit, pretty dirty guy. Yeah, I remember, I remember seeing him one time. He walked up to a club, uh, you know, and we were walking in, and and we saw him walking in. There was a long line waiting for him. And he said, "Oh my God, you're waiting for me!" And he whipped out his winky and he just peed on people. Yeah. <laughs> and they walked in like, "Yo, ODB just peed on me, baby." But you see it, people in front of concerts and guys, yeah, 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 yeah. they were like, oh, "Give it to me!" I mean, this is <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's for a whole nother podcast. Yeah, that's like yeah. that's uh, round two. That's the the audible sequel to Founding Food. But we have about one minute. I would like to get a, a pitch in because I thought it'd be kind of funny to have you roast my company no or problem. our company that that helped started. Okay. So. I don't actually watch Shark Tank very often, so I don't know how the pitches go. Hey, I'm Noel Keegan, and uh, here, here's my company. Here's who I am, and here's how much I'm seeking. Perfect. All right. Hello, my name is Noel Kagan. I am the CEO of AppSumo.com. We are the number one software marketplace online. Currently today, we're going to do around $100 million. And so if someone like yourself, Damon, was saying, hey, man, I really want to create software or I need software to grow my business, where do you go online today? There's nowhere. There's literally nowhere. We have a monopoly on software distribution. It's the number one problem of any business out there, which is getting customers. So today we're looking for funding to really expand our engineering team and our sales team so that when anyone in the world is ever thinking, man, I need to buy and sell some software. Man, I really want to be a better entrepreneur. Hey, I need a place for that. We want to be the destination. So we're looking to raise $10 million on a billion based on our current metrics. $10 $10 million on a billion. So you are offering me $10 million for 1% of your company. Your company is doing $100 million, but you still need to raise more money for uh, more software engineers and designers. Now, the information you're giving me is that there's no other software out there. Well, how much do you cost for uh, customer acquisition? Because now you have to share with people that this is a need in the market. That education is going to cost you a lot. That means your $100 million, a good amount of that is due to advertising, which is reducing your margin greatly. That's why you scumbag, you need more money because your (laughs) margins are not great. So you're hemorrhaging to a point. So why don't you keep your little company and why don't I just buy a white label, some of the stuff you're doing, and then put it in some of my other companies to market it and make way more money than my little 1% of your so forth billion dollar company and then i would not have to talk to you and or your scumbag friends no mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so first off I, I appreciate the feedback and thank you for for hearing the pitch i think it, you have uh, your own perspective right now i would say that if you were to go start any type of competitor if, if one if you wanted to distribute software there's really nowhere out there besides maybe amazon or google so if you wanted to go and actually or if you're a creator of software damon how would you actually go out and promote yourself you'd buy ads you'd go pray You'd go do maybe YouTube video, and then hopefully a year later, maybe someone bought your software. Or you can come to AppSumo, promote your software. We guarantee, we don't get, well, actually, we almost guarantee it. We, a lot of partners out there, we give them 100000 or million-dollar paychecks. So we have become the Amazon of software uh, for the startup world. Well, as I was sharing with you, that doesn't mean, that means that you are, you found a way, but all due respect, $100 million, sales cures all. I can have my own opinion, but I cannot make up my own facts. It sounds like you're doing a great business. 
absolutely. You know, I can open up and fuck with you, but that's me just pushing you down, trying to get my 1% to 5%. Damon, I got it. One, you you definitely hurt my feelings, and I am a very sensitive man. <laughs> I, I can't, I don't think Mitch will see me cry yet. But I got to say, this this might have been the highlight of the month. I mean, damn, we're only in day five. Highlight okay. of the year. No, don't lie. Highlight of the month is great for me. Highlight of the month. Man, it was so awesome connecting with you. Your stories are awesome. You took me down in a great way. I love that you're, you're really good at chopping people down. But no, I mean, your journey is just so impressive. And I think there's a lot of people, listen and do it. Don't just listen. Go do it. Uh, I think you're putting it out there for a lot of people, man. I really appreciate I truly, I, you know, sometimes I'm like, I don't know, if, I don't know if I like people saying. I truly appreciate you coming on and sharing this with us today. I really, I, I love it, man. I appreciate you. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. I love what you're doing. Thank you for supporting me. And any other way we can support you, um, you know, let's do it, man. I'll follow up with and, you. And uh, and more importantly, all the people out there who are, who are listening to you, man. Thank you, thank you for listening to us and hopefully changing your lives and changing the lives of others. That is a wrap. I hope you love the episode as much as we did making it for you. Go give Damon some love on Founding Fubu on Audible. Go download it right now. As well, shout him out on Twitter. It's at the Shark Damon on Twitter. Tell him you found him from us. Next, text a friend you love him. Yo, dog, let's go make some shirts together. Before you go, tweet at me at Noah Kagan. Let me know what thought of this episode. Or slide in my DMs. No one, none of y'all do it. Tell me if you listen to this part of the episode at Noah Kagan on Instagram. Slide in those DMs. And don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. You guys already do it, so skip this part. But it's youtube.com slash okdork for everybody else. And AppSumo.com, the number one site online for software deals. If you're starting or growing your online business, seriously, AppSumo.com should be your homepage. We love you. We want to help you succeed. Finally, a couple of shout outs to my amazing team. Thank you to Jason at PodcastTech.com. These episodes, it's like he took poop and makes it into diamonds and then makes it back into poop and then even to better, bigger diamond. That's what he does. Thank you to Mitchell, Jeremy, Hubert, Jonathan, Sasa, Cam, and Jen from the Dork Team for all the magic y'all do. Finally, shout out to Anna Giardelli, who does customer support at AppSumo. Thank you for incredible customer experience for all of our Sumo links, plus everybody else in the customer experience team. Amy, y'all are phenomenal. I'm so blessed and lucky to have you a part of my life, as well as uh, the Sumo links and our customers. are very excited to have you guys, ladies and guys, uh, as part of that team as well. Have a glamorous day. I need to do some push-ups. What's your favorite type of seafood? I need my shrimp. Get it at Red Lobster. Uh-huh.